0: Hello and welcome to the Jobs Are Good and Podcast, Episode 1. I'm Jay Abbott and I'm here with my good friend and co host, Ramon Arguello. Hi, Ramon.
1: Hi, Jay. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Okay. What do we have as a topic this week?
0: For this first episode, I thought it would be interesting if we talked about a subject which gives us the opportunity to talk about a few different subjects within it. What's next for mobile phones?
1: Okay. And do you mean mobile phones as devices, hardware, software? Is there anything you had in mind?
0: Over the past decade or so, in fact, even the last 20 years, mobile phones have taken over a lot of other devices in the sense that they've made them obsolete
1: What devices that you used to carry on you, you no longer use or have because of the mobile phone? Can you list a few?
0: For me personally, I never really wore a watch, but I do use my phone as a time device. It's replaced an alarm clock. I no longer take a separate camera on holiday.
1: Yeah, like many people say, like the best camera is the one you have on you, right? Yeah. It's funny you mentioned the, the watch because I didn't used to wear watches before having a mobile phone in my pocket all the time. But since then, and especially since the Apple Watch, now I'm wearing the watch again. It's an interesting idea that some people stopped wearing watches and some other people now are wearing watches because of their companionship with the phone, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, if I did wear a watch before, I would have stopped wearing it. It might be interesting to explore what devices potentially could be replaced by the phone in in the future but also what new hardware they may introduce because it kind of feels a little bit like have they reached their peak is there much more that we could put in
1: it's an interesting point because most of the evolution technology advancements happening on phones are mainly around the cameras right more cameras more specialized cameras better cameras better sensors and bigger sensors Also, the the iPhone 12 Pro and the new iPads introduced this LiDAR sensor to improve the, the capabilities of the cameras and the 3D sensing of the cameras. But it is true... There are some also some Android phones that are doing that periscope type of camera where, where they can introduce optical zoom because they have a vertical periscope within the body of the phone. Have you seen any of those?
0: I, I haven't seen the tech explained. Do you think those new cameras will change how people use their phones and will they use them for more things?
1: That's what I was going to say. I don't think they will change the way people use the cameras. People just would be happier. They can zoom in. Yeah, And this is the main reason why some companies like Apple are looking to diversify the offering, right? And there are rumors about these augmented reality glasses. I think even Apple can see that there is not that much more that can um, make the iPhone attract an even bigger market.
0: And what about you? What devices did you find that you replaced?
1: I used to carry an MP3 player with me all the time to listen to music first i would just carry one of those cheap flash memories that could play mp3 files then i got an ipod nano which is what got me into the apple ecosystem i didn't use to carry a camera but i had, did have a one of those compact cameras that i no longer need i never got into dslr so, so that sort of stuff which i think the iphones haven't replaced yet you can clearly see the the difference in quality when a picture has been taken when with a proper camera with a big sensor i used to have a pda that i use as a gps contact manager and that sort of stuff i also had a gps unit it has almost replaced the radio the stereo unit in my in my car now i just use the carplay capabilities of my phone to listen to podcast or music for a while, it replaced my Game Boy or Switch like as a portable gaming device, even though the way uh, mobile gaming has evolved has put me off a little bit. So yeah, quite a few things. Also the alarm clock. Just thinking about
0: what sensors we've got in our phones, we've talked about the camera quite a bit. We've talked about GPS a little bit. The accelerometers, what are they used for outside of what the OS uses them for
1: and you know basic UI changes? There's a very neat feature that Google Maps, I think Apple Maps have it as well now. Whenever you get out of the Metro, the underground uh, and you need to get your bearings you can just pull your phone out turn around yourself it scans the the area and it can tell you which way to go another sensor the mobile phones have is a compass but i think we've all suffered from the compass being a bit uncalibrated or suffering from interferences right
0: yeah i've never seen that feature that shows you the way to go and in fact i have used google maps and ended up walking the wrong way on more than one occasion so that would be very handy in terms of the compass, though, I've never, ever really used my phone as a compass. I do like to go walking and hiking, but I always take a regular compass with me and a map. And I don't use my phone if I'm going walking. I don't really want to use my phone when I'm going walking.
1: Yeah, actually, that's a very good point. That's one of the things I use my Apple Watch for. I got the, the version with, with 4G connectivity. And when I, whenever I go for a run or, or walk, I really like leaving my phone home. But yeah, I like the freedom of not being somewhat tethered to my phone. I showed you the other day, I can even reply to WhatsApp notifications, uh, which I'm not sure if I'm very happy about. Do you get the feeling that at some point, we were doing many more things with our phones Every now and then I check the the mobile apps I have installed my phone, and they are the same as they were a really long time ago.
0: Yeah, I don't have that many apps installed on my phone that I use regularly or even that I use infrequently. I think for some specialist things that there'll be some apps where they use them a lot, but for for most people just doing normal everyday things, they'll probably have some apps that they install and then delete, like games and things that they play for a while and then disable and there'll be a couple of apps that they use every now and then, but I think it's mostly going to be for very specific things like if you're going cycling you might use one of these apps which tracks your
1: your route yeah. yeah your route yeah i no longer go to the app store or the google play store to just browse and see what's trending and what's popular yeah and most of the times i open it, it's just because i want to force an update on a certain app
0: yeah it's a good point i don't think that many people just browse the the app store or the play store anymore the last time i used the play store i was installing a decibel meter. Hmm. The app I'm currently developing on iOS sounded quiet in some audio session modes. I used my Android device to measure the volume of the different all the different audio sessions yeah. and did a little bit of science on it just to see which ones were loudest. And I had a colleague do the same thing on an iPhone 6S. We discovered, you know, that some of the audio sessions are just quieter than the others for some reason.
1: Interesting. Did you get to the bottom of the issue? Did you find out what the problem was?
0: We found that the the three chat audio sessions the the game chat, the video chat and the audio chat audio sessions were all quieter than the other six which I don't really understand why We also found that on some devices, even when you put the default to speaker option in the audio session, it doesn't actually make any difference, while on other devices it does. I think the idea of the audio sessions are really good in that it lets the operating system decide the best way to use the device's speakers and microphone to give the best user experience based on what you're telling it you're using this app for. But in practice, I actually don't think it works very well because... As a developer, you probably just want a little bit more control. So we, we want to be able to, say, use the speaker at the bottom of the phone, not the earpiece. We found that some of the audio sessions just don't let you do that. It's up to the OS, and you can't really predict or control what it's going to do on different devices. It makes it difficult to get it right.
1: Do you think they do it to abstract that from the developers? Because there are different devices, older devices, only have one speaker. Then they introduce two stereo speakers on with the iPhone 10, Then the iPad has four speakers, some of the iPad Pros if they let you choose, you could potentially be breaking the thing for some users.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's why they do it, is to abstract it from developers so that they're free to release new devices and apps will automatically support them. So it makes sense.
1: Yeah, but the end result is that you cannot fine tune it as much as you would like to, right?
0: Exactly. Cool.
1: I was going to mention another thing related to the subject. I know you were never a yearly iPhone buyer or Android buyer but i was i would buy the latest and greatest iphone every single year i think i did it up to the iphone 10 i didn't get the 10 and then i got the 11 didn't get the 12 i'm no longer looking forward to the iphone 13 or 14 or any of them it's something that's definitely changing as well i'm not the only person that has gone through this change it can be part me, maybe just getting older and less interested in this shiny new toys. I definitely think that the new releases are getting less and less exciting in both parts, the hardware and the software.
0: Do you think that one of the reasons for that is that the devices are getting a lot more expensive? Or do you think that because people are buying the new ones a bit less, that's why they're getting more expensive so that Apple can keep making a profit?
1: What's going up is the average selling price, but there's more choices than ever. Even within the iPhone lineup, what they've done is just created more expensive variants of the iPhone, similar with Samsung and some of the brands. But yeah, that could be a factor as well for people like me that like the latest and greatest. I see less and less reasons to actually spend over a thousand euros. The twelve pro doesn't do that much more than my eleven pro.
0: So it seems that we are seeing less and less new kind of hardware additions with each new revision. There's no new fancy technology that that wasn't in a phone before coming out every year like they used to be. Yeah. So what will the next thing be? What will the next new sensor be that gets incorporated in phones and how might it be used?
1: That's the thing. I think the next big thing is going to be higher refresh rate screens, like maybe ninety hertz or 120 hertz, which many Android phones already have, and the iPad Pro already has but that's about it even that i don't really know if i want it because 60 hertz is really good But the battery consumption implications and also the development part, if you have an app with a lot of animations and really expensive data processing, even getting the processing under 16 milliseconds, is hard. I don't even want to imagine what it's going to be like under 8 milliseconds or 120 hertz.
0: Do you remember a couple of years ago when Apple bought a company that did feedback for touching the screen? Your finger would feel the resistance of different parts of the screen. And we had all sorts of ideas if they were going to incorporate it into the latest iPhone, didn't? We, do you remember that
1: you said a couple of years but that's probably a couple of decades almost. yeah yeah i do remember i think that eventually became 3d touch which is dead
0: do you think that could ever make a
1: comeback no are there just no use cases for it there are use cases i just think that discoverability is very bad those sort of hidden gestures and hidden features
0: and what about the haptic feedback side of it
1: well that's still in the in the phones right with the um, taptic engine and there are more and more companies mimicking that playstation 5 dual sense controller implements many of those and it takes it even further with adapted trigger resistance and that sort of stuff that's very interesting i know we're jumping from subject to subject here but in in terms of gaming that sort of technology is very interesting if you're shooting a gun for example in the game the trigger will do like the recoil some of the games implement like a two step trigger going halfway to something the trigger increases the resistance so it feels like that's the limit but if you pull harder there's a second step and the trigger which is also very interesting so i think there's definitely use cases for that but on a flat surface like is the screen of a phone or a tablet it's harder to imagine right
0: they could be potentially used for accessibility features so you can feel different areas of the screen yeah so what is next
1: Yeah, so I think there's no next. Mobile phones have reached their maturity like laptops, PCs, desktop computers did. They are still evolving and improving, but the what next is going to be something different. If I had to bet, I would say like virtual reality or augmented reality, not because I'm I'm a visionary or anything like that. It's just because that's what the rumors indicate that Apple is working on. Facebook is very heavily investing on Oculus. I've got an Oculus Quest I really enjoy. There's definitely loads of room for improvement in that sort of device.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, Maybe the next big thing is software changes and software improvements that take advantage of the existing sensors, the existing hardware sensors a lot better and a lot more than they currently do. For example, in augmented reality and using the 3D capture sensors.
1: Maybe the, the interesting thing about virtual reality and augmented reality headsets is that the hardware they use is mobile phone parts, or at the beginning at least, the first Oculus was just reusing mobile phone accelerometers, mobile phone screens. But what we're saying now is to take those headsets to the next step
0: it's not just virtual reality in terms of what you can see with the device it's using the cameras and the sensors as well
1: yeah but that's what i was going to say like even though virtual reality headsets started by using mobile phone parts now to take them to the next step We need even better sensors. You need smaller cameras that can be facing inwards with very low light to do eye tracking. You need even higher refresh rate and higher resolution screens to reduce the motion sickness and to reduce the screen door effect. You need more accurate accelerometers to reduce motion sickness, those sort of stuff. Are you into this sort of headset?
0: No, I've used a couple of different VR systems, but it's not something that I use or would use on a regular enough basis to make it worthwhile me buying anything or anything. Anything specific. So, phones could be a way to get into people's homes and to get that technology a bit more popularized. Because if they've already got a phone that's capable of it. But
1: that's the thing mobile phones are not capable of the bleeding edge experience. Mm. That's why, at some point, at the intersection of mobile phones being the bleeding edge and then virtual reality headsets only reusing their parts, some companies like Google, they just said, we'll sell you this or we'll give you this cardboard box where you can slot in your mobile phone and you will get a pretty decent experience but uh, as more specialized hardware was created for those VR headsets and the experience like that a very basic experience a mobile phone can provide is no longer any good really. I think I'd be a lot more interested in
0: the uses of the device that don't require you to be, to be using it as a headset or as a 3D display and, and looking at it in, in the same way that you would with a, with a VR headset. So, I mean, you could just be holding it normally in portrait mode or landscape mode, but just holding it in front of you and looking at it while using the cameras and the the AR capabilities to perform an interesting task. Like surveying a building site or identifying an object, for example, pointing your phone at something in a museum and and getting more information about it or pointing your phone at a building to see which building it is or highlighting through the other buildings where your destination is, those sorts of things.
1: But all of those things are solved problems, I think, like especially Google Lens have you used it?
0: I have used Google Lens, but I disagree that they're solved problems because they're still a novelty. Users will take them out and use them once or twice, but they won't actually use them on a day-to-day basis. How do we get it so that those things become everyday
1: use apps? My suspicion is that there's no need. People don't have the need to do those. That's why they use it once or twice. They say, oh, this is a cool thing. They show it to their friends and family and that's it. Because how often do you need to identify a building or a plant or the those really cool things that Google Lens and so many other apps can do. Most of the examples you gave were about augmented reality, where you don't have to slap this mobile headset into your face, right? That's what Apple's trying to do. They will replace the glasses you're wearing right now with something that can project something into your eyes or onto the glass, and therefore just be there still a bit skeptical about the utility to be honest we have the very good example of google Glass. that was a very cool demo but was not really that useful obviously i'm sure apple would do something much better in terms of usability and user experience but still and we see that sort
0: of thing in science fiction all the time don't we where people are walking past and you've got some kind of facial recognition showing them and showing their profile and their reputation or whatever it is
1: what's the name of this british tv show black mirror black mirror yeah I mean, I'm sure they were not the first ones to describe that utopic future, but they did it pretty well.
0: Well, it's, the whole point is it's not a utopia. It's the opposite.
1: Dystopia. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends. It would be a utopia for Facebook, right? And all the TikTok. <laughs> imagine this class that you have one eye dedicated to keep watching a, a rail of uh, TikTok videos.
0: I can't imagine anything worse, <laughs> to be honest. Okay, so if that's it for phones, they've run their course in terms of big, giant leap improvements, and we're just going to see small incremental improvements from now on. What does that mean for app development? Is that going to continue to grow the way it has in the last 10 years, or is it going to plateau off as well?
1: I think Google I.O. is next week, and WWDC will be a few weeks after. I don't know, I would love it if those two giants, both Google and Apple, gave us a hint of what they see could be next for mobile apps because really the scene has been quite slow in the last few years all the new things that apple has tried to introduce i can see any of them have really taken off like the iMessage app store was a big failure like the app clips haven't seen or used any have you
0: no, in fact, to be honest, I was wondering what they are.
1: The app clips was uh, uh, was Apple copying Google for these apps that you can launch on demand. There would be like scenes or view controllers that you can launch on demand. I think on Android or just activities.
0: Oh, okay. So it's like an intent.
1: Yeah, but you don't have to have the app. You can scan a QR code and it will automatically download and present that uh, intent or activity or view control is it a progressive web app type of app then no no it's it's native code but it will have a limit in download size so it has to be downloaded on the spot right i see the idea for example one of the examples they gave is you find one of these scooters in the street you just scan the qr code and that will automatically launch this fragment this app clip because it, it integrates with apple pay and any other sort of native integration. It allows you to pay for your ride very easily the idea is brilliant, but with the pandemic in the middle, probably most of the users hasn't been realized. Also, another good example is now you go to a restaurant, now that the menus have been removed from the tables, you could probably scan the QR code. Instead of just launching an app or PDF like many restaurants and bars do right now, it would launch this app clip and you could potentially pay directly for your order from your table.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a really interesting idea. I think it could potentially solve one of the big problems with apps is that when users need a particular problem to be solved they don't always think first i know i'll go and search the app store for an app that does that it's not really the first go-to thing that, that you often kind of think of is it it's a clumsy experience for solving a right now problem hmm so what was, what was the question that led into all that? It was about...
1: Yeah, I said that many of the things that Apple has tried to introduce in the last few years hasn't been very successful. I'm looking forward to to see what they present, both Google and Apple, and see if there's any revolution on its just evolution as usual for the last few years. But anyway, I think this subject has been very interesting to talk about, and I'm more than happy to revisit it if anything happens that makes us believe that the status quo is changing or is about to change. What about you?
0: It's a really interesting subject and we can definitely come back to it at some point. It's
1: been a pleasure, Jay. See you soon. He's gonna
0: cut it like that.
1: Yeah. It's just it's going for too long. See you. Bye. <laughs> bye.
0: Hang up. Hang up.
1: Okay, I'll stop it.